Hi everybody, I'm Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kersky. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 90. Really? 90? Yeah, I just checked. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Okay, yeah. so... so uh, one of the things that people have been asking for is, uh, like, character spotlights. And uh, the biggies that people have been asking for would be, like, Abin, Sir, Sinestro, and Alan Scott. Those are, like, the three three main ones that everybody's been asking for. So we're going to do the exact opposite of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we thought it would be fun to completely ignore that and do something else really fun. We got some a handful of characters here that... They come up fairly often, but we, we never talk about them. Yes. Apparently, Earth, like, even though Hal Jordan was Earth's first Green Lantern, uh, it turns out there's a bunch of people that were Earth's first Green Lantern way before him. <laughs> so we're going to be focusing on the kind of one-off um, Green Lanterns of Earth and... Uh, we're not going to, like, there. there's a few people that we won't be touching on, like uh, John Lee uh, from the, what was it, Emerald, Emerald Dragon? Uh, Dragon Lord. Yeah. Um, you, which you and Chad covered on, wait, you guys no. did that all sort of, right? No, not yet. Oh, is that coming? Well, that's technically not in Elseworlds. Listen, you try to weasel out of it over there, we're going to do it over here. <laughs> yeah, one one way or another, that'll get covered. And then... You know, there's a ton of Green Lanterns, well, not really a ton, but a bunch of, like, random Green Lanterns in the, you know, the Legionnaires' century that we're not going to cover. Uh, these are, like I said, these are just kind of like the one-off uh, issue characters. Yeah, one of which is from from the Legion's time period. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Jim's point. <laughs> yeah, well... She she didn't really have you know too much going on so it, 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 she's basically there and then that's it. It's funny. you even suggested adding her to this episode. <laughs> like my list had like three people on it. You're like no no let's add her. <laughs> You're like I don't want to talk about Legion era Green Lanterns. That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, the other one is Charlie Vicker. Uh, he. He's had a number of, of tales, so uh, well, he'll, he'll get his own focus at some points. Yeah, I saw the list. I saw the list of his appearances the other day. Yeah, he he, he shows up like way more than he really should have, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. You're gonna have to get uh, get your hands on some Dark Star issues too. You know, I was actually considering is is he a Green Lantern in that, or is he just there? He's a Dark Star in the Green Lan- in Dark. Dark Stars. Oh, yeah, because one of the Dark Stars, I guess, timing-wise, he would have to be. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I, I've actually never read Dark Stars. I always thought about it because it was, like, kind of an offshoot Green Lantern kind of series. Mm-hmm. But, oh. Is it any good? I don't know. You, you never read any either? I, I, I've i read, like, a couple of scattered issues, uh, like, way back in the day, and it didn't really grab me. But, uh, I mean, you know, I'll try it again. Alright. Okay. So, so who are we talking about tonight? Tonight, the characters that we will be discussing are Waverly Sayer, uh, we will be talking about Daniel Young, we'll be talking about Donna Parker, and, as you mentioned, from the future, 
Carrie Red. Yes. We're going to... What Do we say we're going to go in a... a... Chronological order. Yes. Yes. Oh, and yeah, uh, for everybody's records, um, the way that I have the lineup of Green Lanterns from Sector 2814, uh, this, this is... This is basically just as far as I could tell. There may be some that I missed, but I don't think... I think I got everybody. The first one that we know about is Yalin Gurr, the one that eventually merged with the Starheart to produce Alan Scott's ring. Then we have John Lee from the Dragon Lord. Uh, then we have Leham, the one who passed his ring on to Waverly Sayer. Uh, at some point, the ring gets to Starcore from the Traitor... Uh, set of books that we had mentioned in the past. Starcore passed the ring on to Abin, sir. Uh, temporarily, Daniel Young got the ring. Donna Parker was offered the ring. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, then the ring went to Hal Jordan, and there were a few other little stops along the way. Uh, the Russian cosmonaut and the New Guardians. Uh, was it New Guardians? New New Corps. Yeah. The New Corps. And then in the future, you have the future Green Lanterns and Carrie Wren. Yeah. And technically, you could throw um, John and Guy onto that list, too, because they, uh, they were Hal's replacements for a little while. Yeah, that's that's true. I was I basically threw Hal Jordan on there just for a point of reference. Yeah. Yeah, so, so the, today, when you see somebody make a big deal about how there's only been four human Green Lanterns... Not so much. Yeah, there's, there's really... There's been like how like how many people was that like ten people? <laughs> it's quite a few, quite a few. We're not counting Kyle Rayner or or Alan Scott or Jade or. <laughs> oh yeah, that was the other one. Jade. Jade was actually a Green Lantern, also. Yeah. Oh so, boy. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll do a Jade spotlight too. We should. We need to redeem this character eventually. <laughs> well, hopefully a writer will redeem the character for us, and then we'll want to do it. Uh, so where? Wh- who's first? Who's first? Where are we starting? Okay, first up is Waverly Sayer, whose name, uh, I believe, is taken from a, a, a border between New York and Pennsylvania. Waverly, New York, and Sayer, Pennsylvania. Oh, Sayerville? <laughs> Is Sayerville in Pennsylvania, or is that... No, that's in Jersey. Yeah, well, I think there is a, a, a Sayer, Pennsylvania. I think that's uh, what I heard. Anyway. Right. And, you know, before we start, let's we should say Waverly Sayer's story is in Green Lantern Corps Quarterly Number 2, which came out in... Um, uh, it's cover date... Autumn 92. It's the month of autumn. <laughs> Well, it was quarterly. Yeah. Yeah. And it was written by Gerard Jones of, you know, Mosaic fame and penciled by Tim Hamilton. Yes. Okay. Go on, go on. Go on. Okay. Uh, Waverly Sayer, he's uh, this guy living basically alone off in the woods in the wilderness. And, uh, you know, he's got his, his trusty dog. And we find out that his is a sad tale. He, he originally lived in the city with his wife, and they decided to move out into the wilderness to, you know, start up a farm and do things like 
as natural as can be and make their own way, the honest way. And then his wife, Peg, died during childbirth, and uh, that kind of, like, you know, broke him down. He was a broken man. He kind of lost his will to live, uh, as long as his will for everything else. And then one night, he starts getting nightmares about, you know, it's it's like his wife is and his, his child are are coming to, to visit him and, you know, telling him to, to come with them. Now, he, what he's thinking now is, okay, time to get the shotgun ready. My ghost wife <laughs> is uh, telling me that I have to kill myself and come visit her. <laughs> and he leaves the door open so that his dog can run free so he can get fed somewhere else. And uh, just as he's about to pull the trigger... <laughs> the the ghost of his his wife and and baby are you know it's like wait no that's not what we meant and uh, he reaches out his hand and he receives a Green Lantern ring and you know he basically uses his will and he gets transported to this this completely you know different world you know across the stars and he brings his dog too because you know he wants some companionship for the trip I guess <laughs> and. Uh, he gets to this planet, and the planet is called Skylia. What had happened was there's these invaders on the planet Skylia, and they're, you know, trying to take everything over. And the Green Lantern of this planet died, you know, they took him by surprise. And, the, and in this guy's, you know, dying thoughts, he, he sent out a message to Waverly Sayer, who was worthy of the ring. And, uh... You know, brought him there to save everybody. And, you know, he was able to do it. He, you know, fights off all the invaders. It turns out that the ghost of his wife and baby were were actually, you know, a projection from the Green Lantern that had died, Leham. And the image that he was projecting was, was really his widow and orphan, you know, that he left behind because, you know, he had died. But you know, he, he projected it in such a way that, you know, Waverly Sayer, you know, would be sympathetic by seeing his own wife and unborn child. And, uh, you know, he goes back home, but every night he basically goes out to patrol the stars and, you know, help everybody that needs healing. And I guess he takes his dog, too. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't, wouldn't you take Daisy crime fighting? Probably not. Well, Daisy's not a basset hound. <laughs> I guess if I had a basset hound, I probably would would take take the dog with me. There you go. Now this is dark. <laughs> yeah. Like the page where you know, in the span of three panels, everything goes from perfectly fine to horrific. Because <laughs> um, she's laying there. He's saying, you know, boy or girl, I don't care as long as it's ours or whatever he says. And then next panel, she's it's not going right. Next panel, she's dead and he's freaked out. The next panel, it's just an out, uh, an exterior shot of big crucifix and a little crucifix in the ground with a storm rolling in. It, yeah. Jesus. It's it's powerful. It's 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 a powerful story. It's like, you know, here you have a guy who he wanted to get away from the city so that he can have an honest life with his wife 
and raise their, their child, you know, and, and raise a farm. And it's like everything goes bad for him. And he basically is just, you know, he's one dream away from, put, you know, putting a gun to his mouth and, and killing himself to not have to deal with the pain anymore. Man. And, you know, what's ironic is that the Green Lantern ring, you know, normally the Green Lanterns use the ring to save other people. But in this case, the ring actually saved his life. Yeah. Although he kind of thinks he's he's being taken to to uh, heaven or hell based on this world, which yeah, <laughs> which which they they do a good job of playing up the contrast between the uh, the life he leads and the home he has versus what this alien world is like. Like like this world is very alien in every sense of the word. The architecture, the creatures, the plant life. It's like a really sharp contrast. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely weird-looking creatures. <laughs> I love it. He shows up. The aliens are like, oh, thank God, another Green Lantern. They killed our last one. Don't let them surprise you. That's how he died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, they, they make a point of saying how Waverly Sayer never leaves his house. And, you know, he's basically just... He comes home every once in a while, but he's basically off you know, saving other races across the universe, or across his sector, rather. Yeah. <clears throat> and the, at first it's just because, like, he is just this depressed shut-in, but it's it's just because now he does his living elsewhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so nobody on Earth really, you know, has ever seen him as a Green Lantern. Yeah. So while he is, you know, one of the first Green Lanterns of Earth, nobody really knows it on Earth. That last panel of the last page, it's just really, <clears throat> like, it, it really speaks to, like, the fantasy escapism of superhero stuff, you know? He stand, he's standing there in his regular, normal, everyday home with a big door to sci-fi supernatural magic. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really understand that image, but... It's cool. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, I see the heads of, you know, Leham's widow and baby and some kind of, like, butterfly honeycomb thing and some kind of space fish. Yeah. Well, they're all just different aliens. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the, the point of the image isn't to be taken literally. It's, it's the symbolic metaphorical context of it. I'd really actually like to read a bunch of stories about him. Anybody can make them, because, I mean... Yeah. Like, if they wanted to today, tomorrow, or ten years from now, anybody could, like... They could do an entire series of just Waverly Sayer stories. Because as long as he was, spends the rest of his life as a shut-in, he can go anywhere, do anything he wants, and it won't affect affect uh, continuity. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Um, I wanted to throw in there that, you know, the the pages that bookend this issue, they're Hal Jordan and John Stewart having a little back and forth at the Book of Oa. Ah, uh, yes. It's, it's a <clears throat> it's a direct lead into a Green Lantern Mosaic number five where the two of them have their uh their mental showdown in Rose's house. And 
Yeah, this and this was this was written by it was written by um Gerard Jones and drawn by M. D. Bright. And it really kinda sucked. <laughs> it was just like a really not well written chunk of pages in here. Well, there was one panel in there that I really that really stood out to me. And oh, I guess, you know, two panels, a panel and a response. Which like really like it speaks to the character of Jon Stewart and the poorness of the writing of him since this point. Yeah. And that would be, Hal says to John, John, you know I want you to be a great Green Lantern. I've always looked out for you, even when you were crippled by guilt. And John replies, no guilt anymore, Hal, and I don't need any more looking out for. I'm finding my own way to be a Green Lantern on my own world. Now, right there, like, no more guilt. So they got rid of the Zanchi thing right there. And yet, like, every time he comes up again, they just keep on reinforcing the Zanchi thing. Yeah, I mean, this this issue was, like, it was it was very much like, like, the beginning and end of this issue was just kind of to advertise Mosaic. Yeah. Which, you know, good for them. I'm glad they tried, but at the same time, it, it didn't make for... Like, I love Mosaic. I didn't like the opening and closing of this issue at all, really. <laughs> like, I thought the odd part was that in this one they talk about finding out about Green Lanterns of Sector 2814. And then, like, they they go on to talk about a bunch of Green Lanterns that are not from Sector 2814. Like, I mean, Alan mm-hmm. Scott was, but, like, that that other dude telling the story about the little bug... Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't. I didn't read the entire issue. Oh, okay. Every story. I I have before. Yeah. And that's actually another point. Two two of the characters we're talking about tonight come from this series, Green Lantern Corps Quarterly. I have definitely read every one of th- those issues, cover to cover, at least once each, and I had absolutely no recollection of reading. I, I did not only did I not remember these characters were in this series, I had no recollection of reading their stories before, even though I know I have. It's bizarre. What Waverly but, Sayer and Donna Parker? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Nothing stood out in my mind about their stories. I was like I I had to look, I had to double check to make sure like, wait a second, these are in that book? Really? Oh yeah, I've I've definitely read those. Uh, Waverly Sayer I, I read like a while ago. And I actually, that's one of my favorite stories, I think. I, you know, of like, just random Green Lantern tales. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm sure I've read it before now, but it's just, no, it didn't resonate in my mind. Mm. I think I also, for some reason, thought they came earlier, like they were older, for some reason. But, oh, well. Okay, so, next up would be uh, one of yours. This one is... Is it Daniel Young? Yes, Daniel Young. Yeehaw, okay. So, we're back at the Old West, everybody. And, you know, you got the, your sheriff chasing your uh, your uh, varmints around the <laughs> Wild West. And then they get buzzed by a spaceship, you know, as you do. And, uh, you know, so Sheriff, uh, sheriff Dan- Daniel Young, you know, then he gets buzzed by a spaceship. And he's like, what the hell was that? I better brandish a pistol at it just in case. And then, and then you know, his... What the hell? What's this kid's name? Uh, Willie Benson. He's you know this lo- this local little boy who 
you know, he wants he wants to be the sheriff's partner kind of thing. He's he, he loves playing cowboys and all that. He points him in the the direction of you know where where the bandits go, where the ship went. He the, the Daniel pretty much tells him, "Go home, kid. Just just don't get shot, okay? Just don't get shot." And you know, Daniel Young he catches up with one of the the criminals who fell off his horse too and got left behind by the rest, and and he tries to kill him just like the other what two people they killed, which is what started this whole mess in the first place, and. Daniel Young, you know, he he has the option of of shooting back and putting this guy down, but instead he chooses the non-lethal way. You know, he disarms him and incapacitates him and is about to take him into custody, but this green light shoots out of the sky, grabs both of them, and zaps them to the spaceship, which has now landed. And hey, it's happened, sir. <laughs> See. See what happened, and and this is this is kind of standard for Abinser in his work week. I think he was out doing the Green Lantern thing, and he got injured fighting a bad guy. <laughs> so his ship, he took his ship to Earth, picked out the closest worthy Earthman, teleported him there, and gave him the ring. Because. <laughs> It it must be Tuesday. That's that's why this happens. So <laughs> so Daniel Young gets the ring and Avancer is talking to him with his mind, which is odd, and basically says, "Look, keep this and watch over things until my ship can heal me." Which I I guess he opted out of that package later on because that would have been handy to have, you know. Which... <laughs> <laughs> um. So Daniel Young, Daniel Young's like, what the hell was up? Oh crap! He 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 thinks this is bizarre because it kind of is. But moreover, he hates the fact that now he has to walk home because they're really really far in the desert. <laughs> as soon as he thinks that, his a giant green horse jumps out of his hand, and he he and the bad guy ride it back to jail. And and he thinks he's kind of crazy because the horse just disappears when he gets off of it. But but then the ring starts talking to him because you know that'll. That'll make him think he's not crazy, right? Jewelry talking to him. <laughs> so while this is going on, the other two bad guys that got away, they find they find the kid, Willie or Sherman, I don't know his name. And they they basically say, all right, we're going to hold you hostage and we're going to kill you unless the sheriff lets our buddy go. And, and that's you know, your standard cowboy stuff. Okay. So that night, they go to the jail and and they basically tell him like you know we're gonna shoot this kid unless you come out and and bring bring our brother with you because they're all brothers they're they're crime brothers those are the worst kind they're they're like pre-mob pre-mob family this is old west mob family we'll say and daniel young he sees he sees this kid about to get shot and hears their perfectly reasonable demands he says screw you you're under arrest too and he marches right out dressed in his full Green Lantern costume, a la Hal Jordan, and they have their uh, their obligatory who's gonna draw first duel. And they all pull they all draw at the same time. Daniel creates a yellow construct tree, which I'm gonna chalk <laughs> up which I'm gonna chalk up to a coloring error. <laughs> Punches the guns out of their hands with a big green fist locks him up in a cage, which is a cool effect because the beam is in the shape of a key. 
And then all of a sudden the ring gets just it starts glowing, it flies away, and he's like, "Oh, I guess it's going back to Adam Sarah now." He doesn't call him by name, but that's what's happening. And you know, so ends Daniel Young's stint as a Green Lantern. And then the bad guys got away because the cage disappeared. Yeah, and then the bad guys get out, <laughs> pick their guns up, and shoot him and the kid. No. <laughs> uh, now that part didn't actually happen, but <laughs> yeah, that was that was kind of odd. Yeah, it was a strange little. Can I just say, like, I'm I'm all for doing what you think will will establish the mood or the feel of the story you're trying to tell. But when you try to evoke a certain dialect or accent based on the way you spell words, I uh, I hated reading this this story. I hated, like, every time a character opened their mouth, I'm like, oh, Jesus, there's more sentences written this way. What was it? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. You just try it. <laughs> You just and, spelled Y-U-H-J-E-S-T. <laughs> and I don't aim to let ya. Alright, to get you. T-U-H-G-I-T-Y-U-H. God damn it. <laughs> like, I, I understand why, okay? That doesn't make it any better to read. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, there's... This is this is one of the more poor Green Lantern stories. Yeah, yeah. Now, what about now? This one I know I have not read before. I'm sure of that because I just recently got this issue. I turn the page. I'm like, what the fuck happened, sir? Really? Like, is it they tweaked Hal Jordan's origin and just did that? It, what what the hell? Wait, wait what do you mean? Oh, oh. What do you mean? What I'm. <laughs> yeah. Abinser gets injured in the battle with a supervillain. His ship goes to Earth, hits the ground. His ring selects a successor, teleports that human successor to the ship, where the, you, know, you enter the ship, find Abinser, he explains what's up, gives you the ring, and now you're Greenland. Like, this is how Jordan and Daniel. Young, what, what? Yeah, you know, actually, when you when you talk when you think about it like that, it kind of like makes it not as special when he gave the ring to Hal Jordan. He's like, ah, oh, probably I'll just pull into that Earth planet because there's a bunch of guys there, and I'll I'll turn my life supports on, and I'll get regenerated again. Yeah, yeah, I guess he like he forgot to take his spaceship in for inspection when he was supposed to, so the savior life machine wasn't working. When well, Hal, there's, when there's Hal's yellow, around. yellow radiation in our atmosphere. I think that was one of the reasons that Abin Sir's ship ended up crashing. Wouldn't it be there in the Old West, too? Um, maybe it was smog-related. Oh. Yeah, yeah, all those yellow emissions coming out of tailpipes. That's, yeah. Well, the Industrial Revolution, you know, right here, uh... This happened around the time of eighteen seventy three. Okay. So you know the industrial revolution was just start you know to get going, and it wouldn't be for another twenty years that the yellow smog factor really started to uh, take effect. 
Ah, uh, yeah, I, I watched the Weather Channel, too. They had that special on the yellow smog factor. Yeah. 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 Is that related to the yellow trees that just appear spontaneously? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually up in the Sinestrophere. Oh, okay. <laughs> God. You know, do we have any idea how long Abin Sur was a Green Lantern? Uh, well, let's see. You have Waverly Sayer, who, like... It's it's difficult to know when he was a Green Lantern, but you have to figure he was probably, you know, in the, the wave of expansionism for America, mm. which would probably put him like the, you know, late 1700s, early 1800s. And then sometime between then, you have Star Corps, Abin Sir, and then Daniel Young in 1873. Mm. And... With Daniel Young, since Avincer is in a spaceship, then this is after the Tiger's story. Mm. So, like, you know, you, you would figure that Avincer would have to have been a Green Lantern for, you know, some time before that also. Yeah. The reason why I ask is because there's very, there's a, a small number of Avincer stories and they keep sending him back to Earth in the Old West. Well, yeah, that's that's when that's that's like his time period. I I know I was I was hoping that like he lit, he was around long enough to to be fun, to be like functioning before the Old West or after it or something. Well. We know that he was Green Lantern up until he died, you know, when he passed the ring off to Hal Jordan, which was in, like, the 60s. Oh, that's true, yeah. So, yeah. like, conceivably, we could get a story of Abin Sur in the Roaring Twenties. I'm good for that. Hell, I'm good for him going to going to Earth in the 1950s or something. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? I think there is a story with him in the 40s where, like, he uses Alan Scott's ring. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, there's cowboys and stuff. Well, speaking of the 1950s, why don't we talk about Donna Parker? Ooh. Okay, so uh, yeah, Donna Parker, she is a history teacher, and uh, her husband died in the Korean War, I want to say. Uh... Yes. Yeah, he died in the Korean War, and she has three kids. And, uh, she decides to take her kids ice skating on this pond, which I guess is very thin ice, and, uh, one of her daughters breaks through the ice. Now the mother starts to panic, but, uh, she runs, and she, you know, reaches in to try and, you know, reach the daughter. That's not gonna work. So, you know, she gets a rope that she magically has, and <laughs> dives into the water to... <laughs> To save her, you know, her... Wait, yeah, she dives into the water to save her daughter. <laughs> while she's down there... While she's down there, she spots a green lantern ring. Because, <laughs> you know, that's, that's where you find them. And she's compelled to put the ring on. Which is fortunate for her, because it then leads her to her daughter. And then allows her to break the ice and uh get out of the pond and 
It looks like they're completely dry when they get out. Well, they even mentioned that, yeah. They did. They did mention. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. There, you're right. They're completely dry when they get out, and then all of a sudden, her kids completely shut up. So she knows something is wrong. Oh. <laughs> and there, she turns around, and there's a guardian. Now, turns out that this guardian is a dick. I mean, even more so than all the rest. Because he put these events into motion for the daughter to fall through the ice and, you know, to test Donna Parker to see if she had what it took to be a Green Lantern. And, uh, you know, because Earth is entering into the nuclear age and uh, they wanted to kind of have a Green Lantern around to keep an eye on things. So this would have been like two Green Lanterns in this sector. The, the, the Guardians were already thinking, it's like, oh, that place is going to need plenty of Green Lanterns. So, they offer her the ring, and, you know, she she is, she's interested in the idea, because she'd love to help people, and, you know, be able to stop wars that killed her husband. And, uh, you know, typically, they, you know, the, the Guardian is saying is how, Typically, the ring goes to people with no ties, uh, but they figured, it's like, well, let's give one to a parent so that, you know, they can use willpower as well as compassion. You know, this Donna Parker, this mother, is like, well, you know, what happens if I died? You know, what would happen to my kids? And, you know, the Guardian is like, oh, don't worry, they'll be, you know, taken care of in our Guardian nursery. I guess that's where... Uh, that that baby flew off to when Salak, you know, received a baby. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the Owen nursery, um, which is a thing, apparently. But uh, keeping in, in line with the whole Guardians not knowing emotions, they would not be able to love the baby, you know, or any of the children. So based on that, you know, she's like, yeah, you know what? The kids already lost one parent, so I'm not going to put my my ass on the line and, you know, let them lose another parent. And then, then the Guardian does something, like, it's a really, really just super dick move. He says, okay, well, if you say no, you will lose this opportunity forever. Like, I'm giving you the option, at, like, the super powerful ring that you could use to you know, help your people, like, in ways that nobody's ever imagined before. And she's like, you know what, no, that's fine, I want to be with my children, I love my children. So the Guardian's like, okay, I'm going to start time up again, you know, because he had frozen time, and, uh, your kids are not going to remember anything, but you will. You'll remember this forever. <laughs> and that's it. <clears throat> now, before I forget again. Oh, yeah. The Daniel Young story was written by Paul Kupperberg with art by Don Newton and Dan Adkins, and it was from uh, Green Lantern number 149 in, um, this is the, the 60s series. Yeah. And the sto this story of uh, Donna Park was written by, oh, tiny print. Joe Edkin and Jeff Hetzel. With pencils by Mac Myers. And this is Green Lantern Corps quarterly number four. Yes. Yeah, this Guardian is... <laughs> what an asshole. Oh <laughs> my god. Yeah. 
You'll remember this. You'll remember it forever. Like, couldn't he have just, like... I mean, have they ever... Have they ever tested somebody in advance before? Or has every single other one of their recruits been like, well, I'll give you this and see what happens? Well, for the most part, it's... They have, like, a set pattern. They give them a ring. And, you know, assuming that the ring chose wisely, which it always does, they basically almost always react the same way and handle the ring the right way. This was the first time that they were looking for somebody who also had compassion. Yeah, but, like, like if she... If it didn't work out, do you think the Guardian would have saved the kid? I mean, like, I think that he would have, but, I mean, he's such a dick here. Like, you don't even know. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I love how, like, you know, she's tying the rope around her so that she can find her way back (laughs) out of the the ice hole. And you just see the, the, the Guardian's eyes. It's like, this is all going as planned. He's such a super villain here. He's like, good, good. <laughs> yes, dive into the frozen water. Yeah, and I'm I'm kind of... I'm I usually cringe at, you know, the exposition-y dialogue that just repeats what we can already see happening, but <clears throat> I'm kind of glad for it here. Because like it, you know, it has her inner monologue saying like, you know, oh, I'm being pulled. I feel myself being drawn towards this, and this is guiding me over here. Because without that, it would have just been like really weird. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like I have to save my my kid. My kid's gonna die. Ooh, shiny! And then she <laughs> just goes off and like stuff. Like every like every nanosecond here counts. Not to mention the fact that she spent an entire page talking to her still living children on the surface before jumping <laughs> in. And now she's going to stop and, like, like, like <laughs> she had to stop, decide to pick up the ring, decide to put it on, and then, oh, thank God something good happened. Yeah. God. And then the whole purpose of her tying the rope. It's like, this would be so much faster if I could just break a new hole in the ice. Like... Well, why don't you just follow the rope well, out I, of the hole? I thought like th- like so this was so like they could pull her out if they needed to. <laughs> yeah, technically she used the ring <laughs> to break out of the ice and find her daughter. They show her in costume in a you know like a possible future of what could be if she did take the ring. Yeah. And they show a nuclear explosion to show what will happen if she doesn't take it. <laughs> yeah. Man. Or maybe that was to show what would happen if she did take it. Oh, man. You know what happens with Earth women with green lantern rings? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm just playing. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, but... Even the Guardian's hair looks like the devil. He does. He looks so evil. It's like he had. He kind of has Wolverine hair, like yeah. from the side. Yeah. Uh, Devil hair. And did you think the principal was really creepy at first? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. This starts out with her in her classroom, and the principal's just like, "It's like you don't have to call me by my last name. <laughs> call me Phil." <laughs> 
what's his name? Oh, Ted. Ted. Call me Ted. It's after hours. Let me take you out to dinner. I'd like to be more than your boss, Donna. I'd like to be your friend. Say you'll have dinner with me. Uh, (laughs) Or else you're fired. He's so creepy. And then he just, after she leaves with her kids, he just kind of lingers in her room touching her stuff. God. They, oh, you know, I don't think they meant for him to come off as creepy, but he came off as creepy. Yeah. But he even says to her, you must feel the need for a man in your life. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so long, kids. Let me know when you need a daddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, I would have liked to see more from this character. Not the creepy principal, but Donna herself. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't really think so. No, no, I wasn't too big on her. Like this is this is another story. Like the last one with Daniel Young, that one was very forgettable. I actually I have that issue, and I've had it for like a, like quite a while, and I'm sure that I've looked through it. But I yeah, like like you said with the others, I had no recollection of of that guy. This one I I remember clearly. You know, you said Donna Parker, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Donna Parker, the one who fished her her kid out of the lake after being, you know, completely blinded by a ring and having to get that first. Yeah. I don't know. know. I'm kind of glad that she didn't get the ring because, I mean, you know, like, if you're turning down a Green Lantern ring because your kids, you know, wouldn't have anybody else, like, you know, okay, so don't die. (laughs) So don't die. Oh, okay, because... God, ass. Works out pretty well for Hal Jordan. Guys come back to life how many times? You think about how many people have died in the current run of Green Lantern. Yeah, but the the Earth Green Lanterns usually make their way back to life. Oh yeah, sure. Either way, it's it's it, it's kind of a shame. It, well, I mean, I I kind of agree. It's it's nice. Like she preferred family over service, so she. She took that as an out, which, you know, I can't fault that because that's what I love about the resolution to the storyline of uh, Amni and Metu Pre over in the uh, Sins of the Star Sapphire arc. Right. Um, but at the same time, it's just like I would have liked to see more of her because she's you, you you've got you've got a strong, intelligent female character that you don't and you don't see enough of that in mainstream superhero books, so. So you would read, like, a what if she did take the ring? Oh, yeah. But if she did take the ring, then she would be choosing the ring over her children, thereby changing her motivations completely. God. (laughs) You know what? No, I don't. Yeah, you don't. You don't know, okay? You don't know. Let's let's move on. Are we done? Do we have anything else to say about Donna Park? Is it Park or Parker? Parker. Okay, Donna Parker. <laughs> yeah, you just kept saying it wrong repeatedly. Whatever. She has one son here, right? I think so. And two daughters. Yeah. So if 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 she died as a Green Lantern, Peter Parker would never have been born and Spider Man would never be made into a Broadway musical killing thousands. Anyway, so yeah, the next one is you, Carrie Wren. Yes, this one, 
I always like this character, and nobody ever talks about her. It's probably because she only appears one time, and it's immediately before a much more high-profile story. <laughs> but, um... Yeah. Now, did you read both issues, or just 99? Well, I've read both issues in the past. I mean... Yeah, me too. I like, basically just, you know, went for the refresher. Yeah. 99. Yeah, I mean, well... I, I reread 98 and 99, but it's one of those where, like, I didn't realize how fresh in my mind it still was, even though I haven't read these for, like, a decade, almost. Yeah. But, alright, it's this, this is the Kyle Rayner era. It's uh, Green Lantern, well, technically 98 and 99, but we're going to focus on 99. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's written by Ron Mars and pencils by Daryl Banks. And basically how we got here is in... in Green Lantern 97, Kyle Rayner was fighting Graven, one of Darkseid's sons, and and through some teleporter accident at the end of the issue, he ends up transported through time to the 31st century, where he, he promptly gets beat up and arrested by a mob, because in in this time frame, in the Legion's future, this there's this group of criminals going around masquerading as the Green Lantern Corps. And and this is... Yeah, there's eight criminals, all different alien species. They they are using the, the iconography of the Green Lantern Corps to commit their crimes, as well as some some energy that... We'll, we'll get to how their powers work, but... Um, but, you know, and again, there's no Green Lanterns in the Legion of Future for one reason or another. So, you know, when they see Kyle, they immediately think, oh, he's part of their gang. So he gets arrested. The Legion come to to check out, oh, we, they've caught a Green Lantern. We better go. We've been trying to catch this gang. We, let's go Let's go interrogate the one that's in custody. But, <clears throat> you, know, if, you know, certain members of the Legion who visited the present-day DC Universe recognize Kyle, and they decide to team up to try and find these criminal lanterns and that leads them to the former site of Oa, which is now occupied by the uh, bad guys Oa like space station where, you know, the entire team gets, gets rushed and attacked and knocked out and captured. And, and just when they're about to take Kyle's ring and try and use it to, to become the most powerful criminals in the universe, it disappears because who summoned it away? It was Ganthet who then get handed it over to one Miss Carrie Wren. And the reason he selected her is because she is Kyle's descendant. His, <laughs> his say, great, 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 something, something, granddaughter, we'll say. And she's homeless, she's living on the street, and, you know, Gampat's giving her a crash course on what it means to be a Green Lantern, what the energy is, how to use it, you know, why she was picked, and, you know, she's she's not all that hot about taking the job, but Kenthat basically guilt trips her into it, and, <laughs> you know, at, at, at the same time, you know, the rest of the Legion is noticing, you know what, we haven't heard from those guys we sent to the center of the universe by themselves for a while, maybe we should check things out, which, you know, it's, it's good that all these good guys are starting to converge, because, because... Capture, some captured legionnaires and a powerless Kyle are just getting getting locked up and beaten the crap out of on this space station where Kyle learns that, okay, these these 
fake lanterns. They're using entirely technological based rings. You know, they're they've they've parked their space station on the former site of Oa because you know when Oa blew up, it left a bunch of of ambient energy in that area. So they have this massive machine in their base that soaks up the ambient green energy and you know transmits it to their personal rings which which are these it, they're very limited they allow you to fly and survive in space and they give you like one other function that they can do you know like uh you got the one guy who can only make vehicles another guy who can only make guns another who can make force fields another who can only make um uh uh, hand-to-hand bladed weaponry kind of things. One that can only make creatures, another can only make bug-related things, which is odd. And their leader, for some reason, can only make fish. So that's, <laughs> I, I got, I gotta think he could have grabbed up one of the better ones, but you know, he, he's whatever. So Carrie Wren and the Legion show up at about the same time, and the Legion is fighting the core, and you know, doing okay. Um, the carry sneaks in the back way, frees the prisoners, and goes off and tries to basically explode their power source, which doesn't go entirely great. But luckily, Kyle got loose and he's there to help her out. And as he does so, you know, the, all of the the fake lanterns rings start to die, Emerald Twilight style, and the Legion kicks their asses. Uh, Carrie gives the ring back to Kyle. And and then the Legion commits like horrendous crimes to get Kyle back to the back to the present day, the nineties. Because, you know, time travel is illegal because of the insane number of things that can go wrong when you send people to and from the past. Yeah. Brainiac Five's like, screw you, bye. <laughs> and <laughs> where Kyle ends up, because yeah, they, they, they make a point of saying, you know, we don't have... Our, our history, our records, is kind of crappy, so we're just gonna kind of aim in the general direction of where you live and shoot. <clears throat> and Kyle actually ends up during Hal Jordan's rookie days. <laughs> Close enough, I guess. <clears throat> yeah, you know, you know, give or take a generation, but, you know, there we are. And what did you think of this, this story? Okay, let's see. Uh... First off, everything that happens in this issue is now completely undone. Is it? Yes. How so? Well, for one thing, there's an Oa. Well, there's that. <laughs> so, I mean, like, right off the bat... Oh, actually... Actually, oh, I'll I'll chime in in a second, but go on. Uh, yeah, so... Um, yeah, the, the, the whole thing with the, you know, time travel being so dangerous because it could undo things. Well, yeah, now there, there's an Oa where in this story there was no Oa. So there, there would be no, no way for these people to suck off the ambient energy. Okay, here's why you're wrong. Did you read Legion of Three Worlds? Um, you think so, yeah. Okay, that established... <clears throat> that the, all all three of the main legion versions the um the original one which is the big focus now the 
the uh, post-Zero Hour Archie Legion, which is the one in this story. Right. And the later, uh, I think it was Mark Wade when he did the the last version, the around um, Infinite Crisis, uh, Final Crisis, yeah. around Final Crisis, he did that or something. Yeah, Supergirl. Yeah, they they basically reconned it so that all three of those legions exist. Like they were the legions of three different Earths in the multiverse. So you could have so all of their histories are intact. They just happened in different Earths. The future of different Earths, I should say. So, and and the um, the main DC universe that we all love to play in—that's the that um, that Earth's Legion is the original Legion. So what we're so what we're reading right here is Kyle Rayner in what has been reckoned to be the future of a different Earth in the multiverse. So there can be no Oa in this one. Okay. So, but this this still can't be the future of the Earth that Kyle was in. It's a di- it's a different future. Oh, no. I mean, at the time it was the Earth that Kyle was in, but now, looking back, it was it's not the Earth Kyle was from. Well, if it's not from the Earth that Kyle was from, then it's not actually his descendant. It's a descendant of. Someone who's just like him on another planet. Well, apparently it, the genetics were close enough, because that's the only reason her the ring worked for her. Well, that's, of course the genetics would be, you know, yeah. close enough, because, you know, it's Kyle and it's Kyle, it's just two different Earths. Yeah. Anyway. It makes sense, shut up. Damn time travel conversations. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> I guess, like, the other issue that I had with this was that his, his, his descendant, Carrie Wren, she is homeless, and she gets the ring for a little while, and then afterwards, she's basically going to be homeless again. I guess. And that's basically it. Like, you know, it's like, you know, this, what does it say? Like, you know, you've you've given me, you know, something to, you know, a, a little direction. That's what she has now. A little bit of direction. Which, you know, the other question is, you're talking about that far in the future, they still have a homeless problem? Yes. Yes, they do. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, I like... I would... Bleh. I like to think that that the Legion would have helped her out, you know, given her, hooked her up with a place to stay or something, because she did just save them. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Maybe... Now she's a receptionist at Legion headquarters. <laughs> yeah, I was really... Because, again, this is the time... This is firmly in the time where... Kyle was the only Green Lantern where, you know, if you ever got to see another person with a ring on or with that costume on, it was a big deal. So, like, that immediately, like, like my ears perked up. I'm like, oh, my God, another Green Lantern, another person with a ring. Oh, my And I knew it wasn't going to stick just because, you know, he, Kyle had to get the ring back eventually. Yeah. But I don't know, I, I always kind of hoped that after this they would find a way to keep her in the Legion books. Like, whether she had a ring or not, just, like, keep that character going. Yeah, not so much. Yeah. And now, I was always kind of under the impression this was supposed to be, like, a descendant in, like, the Kyle, Kyle Rayner, Donna, Troy kind of family. Really? 
Yeah, well, at the time, that's who is who he was with, right? He even like he even references Donna in here when he's escaping. No. Wait, yeah. I thought he was already with Jade at this point. I thought Donna had left at this point. Ninety-nine? I don't think so. Yes, when he was break when he was uh, busting free, when they were about to throw him out an airlock, and he uh, he elbows the one girl in the throat. It says, "Remind me to thank Donna for the hand-to-hand training. Assuming I ever see her again." Um, <clears throat> and there's something else. It might have been the previous issue. Let's see here. I think it's right when he finds out that that he has no legacy. Because it's, it's the, there's the cover with her walking away, right? That was the issue where they broke up. Oh, with his face really big. Well, because I'm, I can't find it. But I thought like, I can't remember. Did they get back together or something? Um, he wasn't with Jade yet. Or was he? No. Damn I it, think Kyle. I, yeah, yeah, no. I, I'm pretty sure by '99 he was already with Jade. Huh. Because you had that whole, you know, thing with uh, the the three issue Starheart miniseries. That was all before issue 100, and then after he gets back to the you know regular time with the duplicating Hal Jordan ring, he offers it to Jade. So he he was definitely with with Jade at that point. Huh. Which is weird because his descent like I his descendant reminded me of Donna. Uh, it's not remind me, but like I felt like it was supposed to be like. Like he, he and Donna would eventually get together and have kids, and that's how where we got this this chick eventually. <laughs> Be- between that and the fact, like the statue, like let's I didn't even mention that this all gets kicked off when um when uh the, the Green Lantern fakers <laughs> they they robbed the Louvre and stole a statue that you know they they do retrieve and put back and it's. It's a statue sculpted by Kyle Rayner eventually at some point. And again, it just like it looked to me like it was a statue of Donna. Oh, that, yeah, that to me it looked like a statue of uh the other one. Jade? No, not Jade. Um Alex? Yes, Alex. Well, again, I guess we should, I mean, we're going off very vague details on this sculpture. Yeah. It's a woman with hair. That's all. <laughs> yeah, and how about that? Like, I again, this is from '98, the, the issue '98, when they're describing the Green Lantern Corps criminals. They say they were seen as genuine because of their energy manipulating abilities, but it was all a ruse to gain initial trust. Okay, so which which means okay, that means that these guys went out dressed as Green Lanterns, using Green Lantern powers, presumably doing positive things so that people would trust them, right? That's what that means? right. The core ultimately revealed its true purpose, high-profile crimes. The theft at the Louvre is just the latest and most serious. So they, they, they gained this trust and then immediately turned around and committed really blatant crimes that everyone would see in the middle of the day. Like, what? why even bother gaining people? Why? That's a whole unnecessary... Like, they probably wasted a week on that first step. <laughs> That's like the underpants gnomes. <laughs> step one, get all the underpants. Step two, question mark. Step three, world domination, or whatever it was. Profit. Profit. 
Yay. Was it a little creepy that XS was hitting on Kyle? Why would that be creepy? Isn't, like, isn't there, like, not a tremendous age difference, but how, like, how old do you, do you see Kyle as being? Because they never say, um, ever, ever. I would usually place him, like, early, uh, late, late 20s. Yeah, I would say late 20s. Mid, mid, to, mid to late 20s. Now, how old would you say XS is? Um, I'm not really sure, but, like, at least 18. Eh, because she always seems younger than some of the rest of the Legion. So I'm like, okay, is this, like, this? there's this 16, 17-year-old girl hitting on this guy who's, like, <laughs> close to 30. That's kind of weird. I don't know. That that takes the Green Lantern Flash team up to a, to a weird place. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well... There's that, what is it, a Circle of Fire issue with the the futuristic Flash Green Lantern. Oh, God. (laughs) Maybe that's what happened. Yeah. Even though that didn't actually happen. Maybe that's what happened. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Now, what... Now, this is something... We we have not had a chance to really talk about Daryl Banks' art on this show before, I don't think. Really? I don't think we have. Okay. So, what do you... Like... Go, go. What do you oh, think I, I like it. I, I yeah. definitely like Daryl Banks' artwork. Yeah, Daryl Banks was to Green Lantern in the 90s what Evan Hayes is to Green Lantern in the 2000s. You know, if you picked up, for for almost the entire Kyle Rayner run, if you picked up an issue of Green Lantern, it was either drawn by Paul Pelletier or Daryl Banks. You know, it's... And like this is, and his art has evolved a lot throughout his time on the book. Like he had been gone for a while, and then came back to do this chunk of issues. And it like he's he's in like a like a more blocky, more exaggerated, cartoonish kind of kind of kind of drawing style in in these issues. And it's it's a lot more blatant in issue one hundred, but that's not a bad thing as far as I'm concerned. And it's. There's just something about it. It's, it's definitely really evocative of this era of the book. It's it's got such a strong it has it has a lot of personality to it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's I don't know. It it, it was kind of like, you know, that that was my my first series that I would just absolutely collect religiously, you know, constantly. Like there were a few things that I would collect before that, but but Green Lantern was, you know, really the biggie for me. And I guess, like, you know, that that kind of artwork, it's, like, it's solid superhero artwork. Yeah. You know, that's that's what it is. Like, like nowadays, I, I think a lot of artists have veered more towards, you know, being very stylized. Mm. But, like, like I, I, if you gave me, you know, a few different, you know, types of, uh, a few different pages done by different artists in the 90s, you know, back back then, like, there would be some that I would be able to pick out, but I think a lot of them would just be like, I'm not really sure, because the art just looks very, you know, it's just, it's superhero artwork, it's good artwork, and it's not that that's a bad thing, it's not that it's like, oh, well, I can't pick that out of a lineup, that's, you know, not what I'm implying at all. It's just that, you know, there were just a bunch of artists that could do really good artwork. And it was just this, you know, 
this one style of comic artwork. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is that is that a valid, you know, view? I mean... It, no, it's valid. I mean, like, there, there's no such thing as a non-valid view when it comes to art. Yeah, well, I mean, like, not, not, not so much, like, you know, a valid view, but, I mean, like, is my perspective skewed? I mean, I, I suppose, like, you could look at any art style, and if somebody's well-trained enough, they could pick out any artist. But, you know, for, for my eyes, like, you know, I... I can look at any Ethan Van Skyver artwork and almost always know that it's Ethan Van Skyver. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's... Daryl Banks' art is very distinct. It's... I mean, especially during the 90s when everybody was trying to to ape Image Comics or everybody was trying to be a Jim Lee clone or, God help us, a Rob Liefeld clone because Image was taking off and... We, Everybody was trying to figure out what the what the new look of comics would be, and and Daryl Banks, and yes, he he did evolve his style, but it still stayed his. You know, it still kept that that same kind of presence, that same kind of kind of again personality that that you know you can you see you see a Daryl Banks cover on the stand from across the store. You don't have to walk up to it and look at the credits. You're gonna say, "Oh, there's a Daryl Banks cover on that book." I guess it's nice. It's as far as stories go, it's pre- it's it's pretty light and it's pretty. <laughs> there's a good amount of of corniness to it. I mean, just just the fact that you've got the Legion of Superheroes chasing down a band of Green Lanterns who robbed a museum. <laughs> it's it's. Like it's it's not the most epic thing, and there's really the stakes are pretty low throughout this entire thing, but it's just a fun, fun little two issue thing that gives us a nice one shot character that, you know, at least got one issue to shine. <laughs> I mean, we can't all be Daniel Young, am I right? I mean, come on. <laughs> Thank God. Okay. I mean, I I think that's good for, for this this particular spotlight section yeah all right some emails no shut up (laughs) uh this one comes from jamie dunce jd74 on the forums oh no oh yeah yeah i hate that guy too yeah all right (laughs) so just kidding so listening to the episode and uh this is in regards to our um our nemesis thing uh, listening to the episode, and while I, I think rehashing the John versus Kyle thing, wow, that says Carol. The John versus Carol thing. <laughs> we just talked about Kyle a lot, I'm sorry. I'm not sure if you realize that they kind of already did this. This was done in Series 3 of Green Lantern in a story arc that ran from issues 22 through 24. <clears throat> I'm going to link the cover. He links the covers, and... He says, I remember these covers because when I saw the cover for 23, I thought it was strange that John was wearing a mask. Loving the show, and as always, can't wait for the next one. Thanks for all you do, Jamie Dunst. And have you seen, did you see this? What, those issues? Yeah, do you know the issues he's talking about? Yeah, yeah, when he sent that email, I, I did, I looked it up, and, like, he's right that they did, you know, hash it out, but, I mean, like, the fact that, like, she has the ring now, you know, and she basically thinks that she's in control of the ring. I think he would take issue with that. Yeah. 
And I remember, like, I don't remember where... I ha I own the issues, I've read them, I don't remember where it left them, but uh, where it, it, the story left those characters, but... I would I would expect that if it's if we're talking about John Stewart and regular ringless Carol Ferris, he could probably be okay with her. He wouldn't like her still, but he could be okay with her. Right. But if this is Carol Ferris that's in any way a, a star sapphire, then that like like even if even if they did deal with this before, he sh like it's not the kind of thing he should be able to get over, you know. Um. And you know, just, just mention, at least bring it up, you know, like, like yeah. I mean, hell, have Carol bring it up. Like, have you don't have to have John explode at her or anything. Just, you know, have Carol like, like, pull him aside at one point and say, say, look, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I want, I hope this, it's not making you uncomfortable that I'm here. You know, it's, it's different this time. I'm in control, not it, or something like that. You know. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, so something would be nice. It's almost like they just completely, well, yeah, it's almost like they completely gloss over it, except for the fact that it was a fairly big part mm -hmm. in Blackest Night for Jon Stewart. Yeah, I mean, they, they fully acknowledge that Katma's dead, and they bring that up, they just gloss over how she died. <laughs> and the other email tonight comes from Craig Skinner. He... Skinner! Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Super Nintendo Chalmers. Yeah, yeah. And any any more you want to get out there before? No, no. Now I'm eager, eager to hear the email. Okay, and this is something. This is good timing because this is the <laughs> the last possible time we could have done this email. It says hello, hello. I'm an avid new listener of your show and love it. My wife and I are certainly devoted geeks. She has put together a charity event. Details below that benefits Jillian Anderson's charity, Off the Street Kids. It's an X-Files event at Challenger's Comic Shop in Chicago, Illinois. Illinois, sorry. Is it Illinois it, or Illinois? Is it plural? I guess if you're talking about one state or two states, depends. So it's on Saturday, <laughs> April 23rd, which is, as you're listening to this, is this coming Saturday. Uh, from noon to five, it's the day before Easter, uh, I'm trying to help her drum up a little timely publicity and thought I'd send the details your way in case you'd be able to read them on a show, even though this isn't the comic events per se. Uh, thanks for the great cast. Keep up. You keep me entertained. Smiley face. Smiley face, not smiley or face. Smiley face. And <laughs> the actual description of the event he attached says, uh, come out the, the Saturday before Easter and celebrate your favorite TV show from the 90s. To benefit a good cause, join fellow X file, join fellow X Files fans at Challengers Comics, and Conversations Gallery space for a viewing of select season one episodes, a round of pub trivia, a raffle, refreshments, and more. Uh, the event will take place from noon to five. Ten dollars suggested donation. Uh, all proceeds go to benefit off the street kids and non a not for profit mentoring program co-founded by Jillian Anderson. So if you're in the area and you have a few hours like around the middle of the day this coming Saturday, you know, go check it out. Now watch this episode comes out late. God damn. <laughs> well, I mean, it can't possibly come out that late. I don't know. 
Well, no, James is better about that than we are. Yeah, James is awesome. I mean, if it were up to us, like, shit, there'd be no chance. Yeah, I, I'm telling you right now, but my by the time this goes up, I've missed another mosaic. It's just because I have so much Super Show stuff to do. Uh, oh, so no mosaic for you tomorrow? No. It, oh, yeah, it's Friday, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, awesome. no. Because, well, I almost, I, I just ran out of time. Look, I could do this or I could draw your wife's elephant. What did you want? <laughs> <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. Yeah, does she even know? No. Okay. Oh, wait, no, she does. Yeah, I thought so. Okay. Yep. Um. Yeah, so, so, hey, speaking of Super Show. Go to Super Show. Yes, it's April 30th and May 1st. It's a Saturday and Sunday. It's in Reading, Pennsylvania. Go to ComicGeekSpeak.com and uh, click on the link for Super Show. There's links to a hotel that you could stay at. Uh, you got directions to the convention, a list of all the guests. There's the the forums that you know link to the forum page for that, where you can pre-order sketches and commissions from people for very good prices from very talented people. It's uh, the greatest comic show convention ever. Yes. Hey, have you ever read Fallen Angel? Way back when it first started, and it was like a possibility continuation of Peter David's Supergirl series. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, J.K. Woodward, the guy who does, like, the, the painted art for, I guess the parts of of Fallen Angel that have been painted. $30. Yeah, $30 commissions. Yes. It's, they're, oh my god, they're gorgeous. Like, my, my only problem is that, like, I can't even imagine what I would ask from him. I know, I've been, I've been, like, I'm, realistically, I'm probably gonna go with a Rage Kitty, but, like, I just, I feel like I should be picking out a special character or something for it like like you see his invincible oh my and his his uh iron man versus blizzard like like you want to go for something that has that kind of old school feel to it you know it's it's absolutely amazing it's almost like he draws a black and white photo yeah and it's you know it's it's 30 i think it's only like like Five bucks for another second character or something like that. It's it's crazy. I'm going yeah, or t- ten dollars for a headshot. Like it's he, yeah, it's mind boggling. You know the 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 prices that he's charging and it like the artwork is so amazing. I absolutely, I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because that was you know I, I saw his art and I, like mm-hmm. I just kept looking through all of it and it's just all just fantastic and I'm just like I don't even know what I would get a commission of because like you, you you have to pick something special for that for art that good. Yeah, and it's it's like and this is the kind of all around awesomeness you'll find in terms of, you know, collecting original art at Super Show in terms of commissions from artists who all all of different calibers, all of different select talents, all from of different genres, but they're all they're all putting their talent out there for just such it's really really affordable and it won't happen at any other convention basically (laughs) not to mention like you know the people there are great and just hanging out is a blast yeah 
the Lantern Cast exists because of Comic Geek Speak, so you owe it to them to go to their convention, damn it. <laughs> yes, 100%, absolutely. Yes, and we're going to have a table. I don't think we've mentioned that yet. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's definitely official now. We will have a table. Yeah, and we're going to... What are we going to be... We, I completely forget everything we said we're going to have at the table. <laughs> um, We're going to have a lot of stuff geared towards towards kids, really. Yeah, like, I've been, like, the, the last few days I've been hunting down uh, black and white pages and panels and scans of stuff from Green Lantern and of, of like, whatever characters I can find. We're going to print out a bunch of those, and we're going to have, like a, like, a coloring station. So if you have, like, if you have your kids, your young children or whatever, and you want to bring them by our table, you can pull up a chair and, you know, color in some... Some uh, Green Lantern characters. We'll have crayons. They'll be great. I'm working on also having uh, kind of like a, a design your own ring thing also. Hmm. How would that work? Well, I mean, basically, they just color it in themselves and, you know, cut out the the design of the ring and they can, like, you know, wear it like a little paper ring. Oh, okay. But uh, I think it'd be cute. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see if that actually makes it to Super Show. Yeah. We'll have we'll have a bunch of other things going on there too. That's this is just like you know some of the things that we could talk about so far. Yeah, gotta get on that. There is there is only uh, fourteen as we record this. There's only what fourteen days left. Yeah, two weeks and one day. About oh, you know, fifteen days. So now um, there's a thread on the forum. That uh, John Godwin started up, 101 Ways for Abin Sir to Die. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and everybody is, you know, coming up with, with ways that they could kill off Abin Sir. It could be funny or it can be serious. And uh, as John says, you know, it's, you know if, if we like them, maybe, uh, maybe we can read some of them out on the episode. Um, and right now we have, what are we up to, 13? Are we up to 13? We're up, Yeah, well, we're up to 12, so the oh. next one will be 13. So, uh, and, you know, when I see one that's really good, I'll re- re- read it out online. Read it out on the air. You get it? Did, did, oh, you hate all of them? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that, 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 that's my joke. The, the one thing that I have to mention, though, is this a real thing at Denny's, this bacon yes! ice cream sundae? I swear to God. Okay, listen to me. Every now and then, me, Jeremy, and Rob will just go to Denny's because we it's it's late, it's open, we it, we just go. Right. The, about a week or two ago, we noticed, hey, there's an extra because they they have you know, aside from the regular menus, they have over by the condiments, they have like the dessert menu and that and appetizers and that that thing, yeah, the normal. Yes. One day we noticed, hey, there's an additional menu back here. It's a full size menu. It's got it's like three fold-out sections of the all-bacon menu. The all-bacon menu. Okay. And the middle section is titled, I swear to God this is true, We Put Bacon on What? With an exclamation point and a question mark. Okay. There is exactly one item on this section of the menu, and it is the bacon ice cream sundae. Not bacon on top of ice cream. Bacon in ice cream, in the same way that, you know, nuts or peanut butter cups or something might be in ice cream. But it's oh bacon. God. 
So, like, that, that stuff that's on top, like the ooze, is that bacon juice or caramel? That's, I hope, caramel. Maybe It might be maple <sighs> syrup. I don't know. Oh, I have man. not tried this because I like living. Uh, you know, <laughs> every once in a while, a company will come out with something that you just know is not good. Like, when KFC came out with that double down... Where the... It's a sandwich, but the bread is replaced by slabs of chicken. <laughs> yes, fried chicken. I looked at that, and I'm like, oh, well, that'd be awesome if I wanted to have a heart attack. You know, like, you just get a few of them and, you know, yes. down them quick, and that's it. You know, yes. you don't have to worry anymore. Yes, and I thought it was a little extreme a few years ago when Wendy's invented the Baconator. But you know <laughs> what? That's that's That seems fairly reasonable compared to... The... Oh, I didn't tell you the best part. They have a bacon food pyramid on this thing. A bacon food pyramid? Yes, yes, you know. And for those of, for those who aren't familiar, the food pyramid is classically this chart of the different kinds of foods you might have. You know, your fruits and vegetables, your grains, your meats, your fish, your, your sweets. And it's ranked in sections. As in, the big bottom section is the most healthy part. That's what you should eat the most of. The top tip section is the smallest part. And that's the stuff that you should eat the least of, because that's not good for you. And it just, it's its ascending order like that, right? The bacon food pyramid, okay, the bottom level, just bacon. The top level, the bacon ice cream sundae. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember all of the other th things on it, but like... That gives you a the, good comparison. Yeah, the ba the second level down is the B B B B L T. <laughs> oh my god. And I somewhere in there is bacon meatloaf. <laughs> I I don't know. Oh god. Like I swear but yeah, that's that's real. That I have not tried it. Don't let your loved ones try it. <laughs> yeah. You don't even need a yellow weakness for that to kill you. Oh. Okay. The only other thing I wanted to bring up was, uh, as everybody knows, the Green Lantern movie will be coming out in June, and that means that the all the Green Lantern toys will be coming out before then. So I did some, some research, and it turns out that the street date for the Green Lantern merchandise is May 1st, which means that you may see some stuff slip out before that, uh, but generally speaking... A lot of the stores already have the Green Lantern merchandise, but they are unable to sell it until May 1st, which is a Sunday, and it, it's actually the Sunday of Super Show. Woo! So, yeah, we may be a little late getting to the show that day, you know, just to have to stop at Toys R Us and uh, pick up some stuff. Oh, fuck you, I will run. <laughs> Wait, what, to Toys R Us or to Super No. To Super Show, from wherever the hell I decided to jump out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what time does Super Show start? Like, 10? Uh, I think so. Uh, well, we could probably stop at Target. I mean, Target's usually open up at 8. Hmm. Which of these, which things are Target exclusive, or... Oh. Is it everything? <laughs> no. Uh, the Target it... exclusives are gonna be, like, uh... Any of the stuff I care about. Like, the action figures with light-up features or light-up bases and stuff like that. Uh, what's the... 
Is it Movie Masters? Is that the one with Rotlop Fan in it? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. That Those are the Movie Master figures. Is that Kmart, or is that... All of them will have the Movie Masters. Oh, they'll be everywhere? Okay. Correct. Although, Walmart will be the only one that has the uh, the Guardians in Movie Masters form. Okay. I think it's Movie Masters form. It might be in just regular form. But they're the only ones that are going to have the Guardians. And... Oh, oh, yes, Kmart is going to have the exclusive Hal Jordan with, with, uh, his father. Oh my father. god. <clears throat> oh my god. That was so... Oh, uh, uh, tell, tell, tell the people what this is. Get, to give them exactly what this is. Oh, well, you know, it's a, it's a two-pack. You know, you got Hal Jordan, you got his dad. And the dad comes with a, a fun little accessory. Comes with a parachute. Yeah, the the character whose one and only function is to die horrifically in a fiery plane crash explosion. Well, his figure comes with a parachute. Yeah. That's, so you, that's you could wonderful. recreate what absolutely does not happen ever. Like that. Sh- that should be like like screw it coming with adult Hal Jordan. It should come with. With ten-year-old Hal Jordan with a with like a sad face and a box of tissues. That's what it should come with, because <laughs> his father died. Yeah. So. That was so. Oh my god. But Toys R Us is gonna have the, I think it's the two packs of figures that come with diecast metal rings, which are probably gonna be similar to the <laughs> preview figure ring. Yeah. What and I think. Um, I'm gonna be focusing like like it'll be interesting to see what I do when I'm confronted with these in an actual store or online when I have the actual chance to buy them because like some of the movie mastered aliens like like Rotlop Fan and um <clears throat> um I don't even remember the one that's kind of a fish. Oh, was not 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 or something like that. Something like, like, in the comics, he's the guy with the human body and a fishbowl head. Yeah. But, like, I really like how his figure looks for the movie. And, like, those two I would I would consider getting. Like, I, I, I liked the Green Man, too, but apparently he's going to be exclusive to MaggieCollector.com, which means I'll never see him. <laughs> it, it, they're not actually that difficult to get on Maddie Collector. The, the website has gotten a lot easier to manage. Yeah? Yeah. And... It's usually just the Masters of the Universe figures that sell out instantaneously. Hmm. So I don't I don't think that's you'll have as big a, a problem getting those if you really want one. Yeah, God, Super Show, get here! Yes, my, my entire year is gonna go downhill after this weekend. I'm telling you this right now. <laughs> oh man! Well, then we like, then I, we start planning for the the movie. Yeah, yeah, we gotta do that. Like I was looking, I was actually looking at theaters. Do you think it would be like? Should we be trying to get a to arrange to meet at a theater that's like equal distance between Penn Station and Grand Central, just in case people? Because I don't know how where people come from or. Well. What would be easier? I'm not sure yet. I like. We're going to have to, you know, look at theaters that are going to be available that have the movie. And then 
I mean, if we all meet up at a central place like Penn Station or, you know, Grand Central Station, then we could go to really any theater from there as a group. That's true. I was thinking in terms of like, okay, okay, walking distance would be preferable. Because then, then like, like, you won't have to figure out like, like transportation really. That's true, but the downside with that is if we keep it, you know, close to like Times Square or Rockefeller Center, then eating afterwards is going to be like, you know, nightmarish. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about because right. Like, a block away from Penn Station is an AMC, or Lowe's, or whichever the chain is now. And I'm like, okay, big chain, that's that's probably a good sign that they'll actually get this movie. Right. And also, like, I think the, um, <clears throat> like, if we want, if you want to talk about, like, okay, convenient, non-expensive place to eat, that's also, like, a block and a half to two blocks away from the the Wendy's we ended up eating at when we got horrifically lost at the New York Comic Con. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to be able to do a little bit better than Wendy's for the, the Green Lantern get-together in the city. Oh, I'm making no promises to anybody who comes to this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think, listen, our planning abilities are not the greatest, but I'm pretty sure that we can work something out that's going to be slightly better than Wendy's. I will see. Uh, if anybody is interested in going, then hit us up on the email, lanterncast at gmail.com. And uh, I know, like, we have, we already have a bunch of people that are interested, but just so that we can get, like, you know, a clear idea of, you know, the, the number of people that we should be looking to, you know, house for food and movies and whatnot start you know trying to let us know and uh we'll we'll be coming up with better ideas and more you know, more clear concepts as soon as super show passes yeah we done i think we're done oh jesus no i just opened facebook and it's telling me to be friends with howard shaken <laughs> really yeah actually i think i am friends with him uh you're a traitor i like howard shaken you would. I would? You would. I would. You, yeah, that's good. Okay, if you want to email us again, that email is landerncast at gmail.com. Or if you'd like to email just me so that Dan can't read it, that would be jim at landerncast.com. Conversely, if you'd like to email Dan so that I can't read it, that would be dan at landerncast.com. Conversely, if you'd like to email Jason so that we can't read it, that's jason at landerncast.com. Yeah, your whole attitude right now is very recalcitrant. <laughs> and uh, Chad and James have that, that same email at lanterncast.com. Yeah. Yes, but if you want someone who will actually read it on the show, you should probably direct it towards me. Yeah, either at Dan or lanterncast at gmail.com. Those are your two biggies. I, I read all the email that I get, but, you know, it usually takes me like a month or 12 before I get back to you. Yeah. I know, I'm getting better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, only one year. <laughs> God. Um, if you go to our website, lanterncast.com, you can go to our gallery, you can go to our, you know, well, our one tutorial so far. We're, we'll actually have a new tutorial coming very soon, and it's going to be really? epic. Yes, yes. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> it's not something that I'm doing. It's something that somebody else did, and it's, like I said, it's epic. 
Do I know what this is? No, you don't. It's yeah. it's a, gonna be a, a big surprise for you, it's, and it's really really cool. Uh, we also have a link to our forum on thecomicforums.com, a uh, link to our Facebook page, and a link to our Twitter, which as soon as we hit 50 followers, we are going to have a cool Twitter contest. Hmm. Uh, we have a voicemail, which is 206-202-1159, and my voice is about to die, so I think that's it, right? Yep, that's all. So long, everybody. Good night. night. Usually, when I draw cute things, there's horrible things happening to them. Like, <laughs> like if I draw a picture of Hello Kitty, Hello Kitty's going to be holding a scythe and standing on a mountain of skulls. And if I, if I draw a baby, the baby's going to be inside a sandwich being eaten by somebody. So and I, I showed my mom this picture. I'm like, look, look. You always want to see me draw cute things. Look at this. It's, it's an elephant. She's like, oh, what are you going to do to her? Are you going to cover it in blood or something? <laughs>